Amen. I think I just caught that. Good. Uh, do we remember what we're doing? Hello and welcome to the Calvary Cast. It's been a long time, kind of. I am Graham Parker, uh, across the table from my co-host, Jess Miller. Welcome to the program. You're not going to say anything? No, it's going well, man. Mm. Yeah, Sounds like you got it covered and the music was going. I was enjoying that. was going. So we've been away for a while. We took our summer break earlier than other podcasts take their summer break. Right, some podcasts take an entire summer. We took a month of May, basically. And mm. now we are back with tons of exciting content lined up for you. <laughs> we are going for- to explain gravity. Yep. Uh, explain the theory of relativity. Yep. Uh, just all sorts of scintillating conversations lined up for the rest of the summer. So you don't have to worry about uh, not having anything to listen to on road trips. and That's right. Journeys to work and things like that. Are we able to play the alphabet or no, they won't? Oh, I could insert that, but it wouldn't be quite as good. I could pause it and go grab it. Do you really want the alphabet song? How much time would it take you to do it? A minute. Let's do it. All right, we're back. Check this out. Olive, beet, and gimel, dalit, hay, and vav, and zion. Heat and teat and yod and kaf and lamid mim nun tamechai and pay and tade kuf and resh and sin and sheen and tav havenu shalom 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 alechem alef bit. All right, nobody else wants to listen to it again. What was the point of that? Uh, we're going to introduce the fact that we're going to start speaking in tongues. Uh, oh, Calvary, yeah. No, right. actually, that is the <laughs> Hebrew biblical Hebrew alphabet. There you go. Song. Yeah. And we're studying Hebrew this summer. There we go. That's you and me. That's the plan. We're gonna try and learn the Hebrew. We can't even. I can't even learn the song. So. Don't and know. I'll tell you, I studied Hebrew mm-hmm. for part of my MDiv, but yeah. have lost a lot of my Hebrew. And so I was like, so we're almost on equal footings, but not. I quite. think so. Yeah. I mean, not I quite. might have a little bit ahead of you and that, but um, and things will start clicking more quickly yeah. for me because a, I'm smarter, and b, <laughs> I've had it before. Jeepers. But yeah, it's important. We got to step on it. And I'm in the New Testament so much, which right. is Greek. And even that, I lose some of the technical mm-hmm. aspects of it and mm-hmm. constantly have to be reminded of things. And um, But to do two biblical languages is really challenging mm-hmm. to keep it in your brain and keep it fresh. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. If uh, you can memorize the Hebrew alphabet for fun and join us. There you go. And our thing. Also, if you hear any uh, weird white background noise, it's just the swamp coolers running because it is smoking hot today. Yep. It's and we're not shutting them weekend. off because it is uh, uh, too hot. Mm-hmm. So you can endure the white background noise. Anyway, we're back. And uh, that is all the banter I have. All right. I feel we're like bantered we're out, of, out. We're out of practice on the banter aspect. So today we're jumping back into Upper Room Discourse. Yes. Um, Part John three. 13. And we'll just um, kind of briefly look at and talk about some things from verses 21 to 38. So, Do you want me to read this? Yeah, why don't you read it? Since you're going to do most of the talking. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. 
So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now no one at the table knew why he had said this to him. Some thought that because Jesus had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, Buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, Where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Very good. So just a reminder, we're in the, um, well, we called it the Upper Room Discourse, and it's the night before the crucifixion, and so Jesus is in that upper room. And John gives us five chapters of material for that time that we don't get any other synoptic gospels and the ones that talk about, you know, him um, establishing the new covenant, giving the the Lord's Supper and things. So we have a lot of good information up here that we didn't mm-hmm. have. And uh, some of this is part of that, including where we'll land here in just a few minutes. And that's the new commandment of verse 34. So before that, let's just think about these first verses. And um, once again, we see Jesus, verse 21, is troubled in his spirit. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was troubled earlier in John chapter 12 when the Greek people came to him and he knew it was his hour had come, right? So he's, he's... now, understanding, he knew already why he was going to Jerusalem, but this, uh, in his spirit, he is just troubled. Um, and this time, it's because there's one of the 12 that's going to betray him. Right. And he knows this. Okay. So um, that, you know, a number of things we could derive from that. We won't talk, sp- spend much time on it, but one thing I thought of is the idea that Jesus is in control of this whole situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, he... He knows what's going to happen and um, did nothing to stop it and right. even knew Judas was going to betray him. Right. Wait, are you talking about derived from the trouble in his spirit or just the fact of his knowledge? Well, both. Both. Yeah, right. I guess yeah. that's what I'm saying. I right. mean, he's troubled by it. I mean, it's right. a very human reaction to right. everything going on. And I, I see in that, though there's no explanation in the text, but mm-hmm. I'm thinking there's... Uh, there's a troubling in his spirit in part, at least, because of his love for Judas. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I'm thinking, or like... He doesn't even, hate him. Right, and the con- like just the idea of 
this one who has walked with him, mm-hmm. part of that 12, mm-hmm. and so much part of the 12 that even when Jesus makes this, you know, announces it, they mm-hmm. still don't know who it is. Right. And even when Judas is dismissed, they still don't understand what he's going to do. No, yeah. like they had no thought that it was him. Right. And he was one of the 12 in that way. Yeah. And then, um, and the idea of him, you know, washing Judas's feet uh, previous to this and, um, you know, just serving him by giving him the morsel of bread and doing these things, these acts of perhaps even, um, well, God, Jesus knows in the sovereignty of God this was going to happen everything, but um, in, in that very human way of feeling that. Feeling it. Well, yeah, you see, especially that, I think that humanity aspect. Chapter 12, though, when he says, I'm, I'm troubled and he's looking forward to his hour coming as well. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a very human reaction because he, he knows the pain he's going to endure, the weight and the wrath of God bearing yep. sin. Yeah. So... I think we can't see the ever watch Jesus or think of Jesus as this, um, you know, robot type of figure, right? right? Stoic or whatever. I mean, he was feeling everything that was happening. Right. Very emotional. Yeah. Hmm. And even just two chapters ago, chapter 11, that was part of my um, devotional time this morning and his whole weeping at Hmm. the tomb of Lazarus, seeing everything going on, feeling the emotion of whatever moment he was Mm -hmm. in. He felt it fully as a a perfect Mm -hmm. human being. And so the fact that Judas was going to betray him affected him, and he was troubled by this. That, again, just relates to his ability to be a compassionate, Mm -hmm. empathetic Savior. Yep. Faithful high priest. Right, exactly. So we see that humanity in Jesus, and yet the control of the whole situation, verse 27, after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him, obviously Judas. Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. And um, and then Judas did that, verse 30. After receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. Now, some of the commentators make uh, an issue about that, and it was night, a theological right. issue about it. Oh, interesting. Uh, the idea being the he has one commentator put in he was enveloped in the darkness of it you know just more than just an hour of the day they're yeah, seeing something about right Judas that John might have been pointing that but you think about that even as I was pondering this yesterday in, in Judas the the utter darkness of the situation he's in mm-hmm. and Jesus even saying it would be better for that man had he never been born you yeah. know and the eternal consequences of his actions. Hmm. That's powerful and frightening, actually, and I'm sure raises hmm. lots of questions in people's minds hmm. about it. But um, but it's important to see these things. And um, so, at any rate, okay, go ahead. Do you well, have- no, so I'm just saying all of this is setting up for maybe the main point of the passage. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of what you would, uh, if, if we're going to get to this new commandment and all of that, he well one it's interesting he doesn't issue the new commandment till Judas goes out that's right yeah that is an interesting fact um so it, all of this is kind of preamble yeah in a sense to where we're going next right right okay i would suspect and i i think i'm right on this too but that the in the order of events the lord's supper not instituted till Judas was dismissed as well 
And that's how the other Why gospels... Why does it say that he gave him the morsel, or he dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas? Well, remember, this is part of a whole... Oh, a whole meal. ...meal okay. or whatever. So when they get to the where Jesus is inaugurating the Lord's Supper, right. I think the other gospel writers... Seem to place it after place Judas. Place it after, yeah. It's not for him. But... Um, he then announces, well, he says this, and we, you and I were just talking about this phrase in verse 31. Mm-hmm. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. That's, That's a, a lot, lot of <laughs> a lot of hymns and a lot of himselfs. Yeah, and a lot of glorification. A lot of glorification, yeah. Wait, thanks, John. You really clear, cleared it up for us. Yeah, so we we kind of broke that down, right. though, into a few elements. Right. Well, because here's another. I'll ask this question before we get to this. How is this connected to what, what we're going to see in the new commandment? There has to be a connection there, right? He doesn't just jump from the glorification of the Son. Right. Well, so, in, maybe in part of what we're thinking or what you, right. we were talking about earlier is that part of this glorification is in the son's crucifixion right for the sins of his people right right so that act of service and shame and mm-hmm. pain and suffering and death mm-hmm. and love for mm-hmm. his people mm-hmm. okay right yep. is he's being glorified in that and then he'll give the new commandment in verse 34 to love one another just as I have loved you right and John, in his letter, will say, he laid down his life for us. We right. ought to lay down our lives for one another. Hmm. So I think there's a connection there, right? Yeah, for sure. Now, we didn't go about, because I, I interrupted our I, our progression with a question. Yeah. So we should explain what verse 31 and 32 kind of mean then. Yeah, so now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. So... We broke it down beginning with the concept of the Son of Man. Right. Because he he refers to himself here as the Son of Man. That was the official title of Daniel 7. And um, let me actually read that because... And and before you get to that, well, because he introduces it, it says, when he had gone out. So you speak about Judas going out. Mm -hmm. So there's something that has now changed. Uh Uh-huh. You know, because John over and over throughout the gospel is referencing his hour and the glor- his right. glorification coming. So with Judas leaving and going to betray Jesus now, right. uh, this has instituted finally the wheels of his betrayal and his coming death. Right. So therefore Jesus can say, I'm glorified now. Yep. Right. And the hour that was coming is now right, here. Is now here. Right. And Judas leaving sets that all in yes. motion and they, they're about to go and, to... And so, and and he is saying, I am glorified in this, mm-hmm. and the Father is glorified in right, it. Right, yeah. People need to see my hands pointing to help right, accentuate that's right. the point. Right, that's right, yeah, yeah. And Judas's actions of betrayal and the, uh, and the rejection of the Jewish leaders. Yes. And a good percentage of the Jewish people generally rejecting Christ is bringing God's glory because it's part of his plan. Mm, yes. Which is interesting because, and I just thought about that. <laughs> this is the way the whole podcast goes. Though. We like say something like, oh, but wait, this. Exactly. And people be- are lost. Because I'm thinking about Romans 3, 1 through 8. Yeah. And uh, the idea that what is the advantage of the Jew? Well, they were entrusted with the oracles of God. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? 
And Paul will explain, God forbid, Mm. though every man is a liar, let God be true, though every man is a liar. And I'm, I'm working that through in a number of ways, but thinking in context of the Jews and how their rejection of God brings God glory and is according to his plan. Through his son. Right? Through his son, through, yeah, the actual act of the crucifixion, right. that would tie in here. Right. But then even throughout the whole New Testament yep. age, which is the age of the Gentiles coming in. Yeah. And God giving that partial hardening to the Jews hmm. so that yeah. the Gentiles will believe and yeah. are receiving the covenant promises and then provoking the Jews' jealousy, but also he will be faithful to his promises to those people hmm. in the end when there's this wonderful restoration. Right. So even in our sermon on Sunday... I'm going to take some of that and I'm going to we're going to end when in Ezekiel 36 which I think is so beautiful that shows that God says I'm going to bring you and I'm going to do this for my own mm-hmm. namesake for my own glory right not because of you right but I'm going to gather you from all the nations I'm going to plant you back in your land I'm going to do all these new covenant promises for you and then all the nations that are surrounding you are going to see what I've done and they're going to know that I am the Lord. Mm. I'm going to be. I'm going to be faithful to my promises for the sake of my name. Yeah. And I just thought about all that. That's really cool. How that mm. it 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 doesn't matter. The response of the people to God, He's going to bring glory to Himself, right? Regardless of their response of unfaithfulness or lying or disbelief or whatever. Well, it's like the prophets say that that. God's goal is that his his glory covers the waters of the earth. His glory covers the earth as the waters cover the sea. I'm totally messing up that that quotation and reference, but that's the idea. And and isn't it interesting that that ultimately though is completed through people, right? Yeah. Like through like the bringing in of the Gentiles, right? That brings God glory. Yep. Just as the salvation of the Jews does too. Yeah. Absolutely. So anyway, where were we? Oh yeah, so <laughs> son of man. And uh, when you think of son of, when they would think of son of man, this is what they thought of. Daniel 7:13. I saw in the night visions, and behold with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. There's that title. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented for him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. That's glory, right? Right. Glory given to the Son of Man by God himself. And so when they were thinking that, they're thinking of that, the Son of Man being glorified and being given these people Mm -hmm. and the kingdoms and everybody worshiping him. Right, and wouldn't... I mean, if you think about the Old Testament prophets, when they're thinking about like future glory for Israel, it's like a renewed creation. It's yes. peace and harmony and flourishing and all of that. Yep. But what Jesus seems to be saying when he's saying here, now I'm glorified, the Son of Man is glorified. Daniel's saying the Son of Man is given glory. Yep. Ultimately, that comes first through the cross. Yeah, it comes first through the rejection, the betrayal, right, the crucifixion. Right. All he, things we would say, that's not glory. That's right. That's why it was a stumbling block to the Jews, mm. right? This this whole idea of Jesus going to the cross, he's making sure his people know, I'm being glorified in this. Yeah. God's being glorified yeah. in this. And so the cross is a an emblem of shame, as right. we've seen in our song, right. but it's it's also an emblem of God's glory in, you know, providing 
satisfaction for sins in Christ, demonstrating his righteousness and his love and mercy all through, you know, the cross of Christ, Christ being glorified, lifted up for all to come and believe him, all those things. So like this is where when we think about tragedies that happen in the world and we we know the theological truth that God will be glorified in those horrible things, but we don't always see the outcome of it. The cross is the perfect example of that, though, where we do see the outcome of it in many ways yep. uh, with people being redeemed through the sacrifice of Christ. Yeah. So the same thing, so we can say, okay, God is faithful to be glorified through the the greatest act of evil, yeah. if we could say that, in right. crucifying the Son of God. Yeah. Will he need not be glorified in some way in a school shooting in Texas mm-hmm. or something That's like right. that? Yeah. You know, in cancer or any form of suffering. Even though we don't full we may not see that outcome right. in our life, we know that right. ultimately we know he will he and will. is being. Right. And even because I was I woke up in the middle of the night thinking about the LGBTQ plus agenda mm. and just thinking this is horrible mm. and this is like a big snowball mm-hmm. effect happening and because we had talked about it yesterday mm-hmm. in part in the office and, and you know hoping that the fallacies will be exposed and different things and maybe this will diminish but even if it doesn't now I'm thinking as I'm as I'm sitting here looking at this God remains faithful mm-hmm. God remains true and mm-hmm. God is and will be glorified yeah uh, whether it be in, as we see in Romans 3, 1 through 8, in forgiving sinners or condemning them. Yeah. Both ways, he's Both ways. His glorified in it, no mm. matter what. So mm. they saw that in this moment, they wouldn't have seen the Son of Man being glorified. Mm. Even these disciples, they wouldn't have got that. And God being glorified in him and all these things wouldn't have made any more, they wouldn't have made sense to them at right. all until later. Right. Right. And, um, and then, and then in verse 32, if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glory him at once, probably referring to a short time in the future mm-hmm. when the resurrected Christ would ascend into heaven and be, be glorified right. in the Father, right? With right. the Father, with the glory share with the Father before like the world. Like he prays in John 17, Father, the hours come, glorify your Son, the Son may glorify you. And then he says later on, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. That's right. Yeah. Right. So he's he will be in that same glory as the Father is. That's right. There we go. So all we've right. kind of got those down, right? We get a little more understanding of what he's all Hopefully that. Hopefully so. Glorying in him and in himself. We figured <laughs> it out, I think. And then verse 33, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. Just as I said to the Jews, so now also I say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. Uh, And he's referring here to the cross and the intervening period, most likely. Um, And uh, and then he says this, verse 34, though, this is where we are headed. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So we think about that concept of the new commandment. Um, It isn't as though the Old Testament doesn't command the people of Israel to love. Mm -hmm. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
but there is an intensified nature to this command. It's a new covenant for, or a new commandment for a new covenant, as Carson said mm-hmm. in his commentary. Mm-hmm. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. So that's mm-hmm. first key phrase right there, the one another, right? Um, this is a love that the disciples of Jesus were to have for one another, that they're still to have for one another, that they don't even have for anyone else. So it's a discernible discipleship love that they have for one another. Um, This isn't talking about loving the world as -hmm. Christ loved them. Mm -hmm. There may be implications to that, like, yeah, we love our neighbors ourselves. We do good to them. We show them love of Christ. But this is a love for specifically the people of God that is different. Right, unique. Unique um, that you have, that you wouldn't have or display for others. And it says, you love one another just as I have loved you. It's been heightened now in its intensity. You are also to love one another that way. And, you know, we have this, um, you and I both have been using Be Thou My Vision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it it's an awesome liturgy that walks yep. you through things. Well, part of it is always... Uh, the, the reading of the law. The reading of the law. Yeah. And it's always things like this. Yeah. It's always things like love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, right. strength, mind, or love one another as I've loved you. Right. Because he issues it, it's law. Right. It's a new commandment. Yeah. And we immediately see it and feel, okay, I don't fulfill this mm. as I should. Mm-hmm. Like I don't love other disciples yeah. just as Jesus loved right. me. Right. You're like, what? Um, and so immediately we're thankful already for, for Jesus, for Jesus <laughs> yeah. and his perfect love. Yeah. And yet in the new covenant, what do we get? Jesus will talk about John 14, 15, the spirit mm-hmm. that enables us right. to fulfill the commands yeah. and to fulfill the law in ourselves. Yeah. And so we see what we're supposed to do and we know that it is the spirit that will produce this love yeah. in us. And we, begin taking those steps of obedience to yep. love the community of God. And I don't think we need to always understand that in terms of specifically emotional feelings, right. though they should be there, brotherly love, brotherly right. affection. But what, what, how does the Bible describe it? In just Jesus saying, as I am giving myself mm-hmm. sacrificially in love right. for, for you, I want you to do this for one another. So uh, could not, could perhaps be the, the greatest hindrance to love is like one, just selfishness. Like, you know, like if, if Jesus is saying love one another demonstrated this way in self-sacrifice and things like that, uh, I don't give of myself sacrificially towards another person if I'm kind of consumed with myself. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> right? it's impossible. Like, it's impossible to do. Uh, so, so that means then I need to like die to myself and some of my desires and my pursuits yeah. in order to serve and love another. Yeah. So, and it's all in this context of John 13 where he had just humbled himself and washed their feet. Yeah. Right. Right. And he says, I want you to do this for one another right. like I've done to right. you. And it, it's similar in what he's saying here. Right. It's that humility. It's, it's the putting others interests above your own. It's the serving the people of God, providing for them mm-hmm. what they need. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 
John talks about if you see a brother in need, you close up your heart for him, you don't love him. Exactly. Because that's where I think the New Testament, because we can also read that and we like, okay, love one another. That's a big command. Mm -hmm. And it's not extremely specific as far as to like how that looks like. Right. Right. And so that's where it's helpful. The New Testament gives so many other examples of what New Testament brotherly love looks like. And yeah, John is a perfect example in just uh, showing... Uh, taking care of one another's needs. Mm-hmm. I think simple things like just kindness, yep. <laughs> you know, that's like right. that's a form of love, just being kind to somebody mm-hmm. else. And and we can often think like, well, I am kind, but you can also come across as not kind. Right. Right. Uh, just in how you interact with other people and yeah. things like that. So yeah. Sacrificial, encouraging, serving, um, caring, praying, praying for, um, and then just giving of your time and em- emotion and energy mm-hmm. and all those things for other people. You know, I've maybe we're all guilty to it to an extent at times in our lives. But I've encountered people that as soon as as soon as serving others becomes difficult, challenging, um, requiring of sacrifice, um, whatever it may be, they don't do it anymore. They want to stop. They want out. And why is that? Because that's what all of it, all ministry is, mm-hmm. inconvenient. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Jesus's whole ministry was inconvenient, if yeah. you think about it. And going to the cross was yeah. very inconvenient <laughs> and uncomfortable yes. and sacrificial. Yep. But, like, we lose focus of that, and we begin to think life is lived primarily for ourselves. Yeah and not for God and for his people and for his mission. And so when life becomes uncomfortable, we're immediately like, how do I get out? What What's causing me the most discomfort? Oh, it's this ministry because I got to deal with this and I don't have the time or whatever. And maybe there are times when you step away from things. Sure. I'm not saying that. Um, but if that's like the pattern of a person's life, like right. every time my ministry gets hard, I just withdraw just from it. Yeah. Then that just shows you're not, Christ-like in that area, you know? On And on the other side, too, can't you continue to do what we would call, like, ministry, though, out of a heart, though, that's not really, like, yeah. you're just, it's begrudging, and it's drudgery, right. and you all you can see is the difficulty of it. There's, yeah. you don't ever see joy, Yeah, you know? Yep. That's another side where you're like, well, that's, that's the flip side. Uh-huh. So, like, yep. I think there's an element where you can go, like, yep, this is challenging and hard. Right. Jesus commands me to do it. Right. And I can find joy in this. And here are areas of joy. Mm-hmm. Here are areas of, that's just, I think that's a normal yep. response to life and ministry. And I think a lot of it is, that's why chapters John, like, like um, John 13 are here. So that we look at this and then just like it's doing with us as we're discussing and we're thinking about Jesus in this way. And we're like, man, that's the way he was. That's the way we should be. And I want to be. Mm-hmm. So God help me with that. Mm-hmm. And so if we get into either of the, the dilemmas of on the one hand, I don't want to do anything because it right. takes me too much time or whatever. And on the other hand, I'll do it, but I don't really want to do this, but right. I'm just going to do it because I'm going right. to serve like Jesus said or whatever. Right. But it's like, <laughs> but that, I hate it. <laughs> but we should be looking at Jesus and let the spirit then help us be like him. Mm. And then we'll find the joy in it. Right. Yeah. So then does the verse 35 kind of like tie it all together when he says, you know, okay, this way of loving one another and serving one another as I have served you, then all people will know that you're my disciples. 
this kind of connects back to the glory aspect, yeah. right? In a sense that that Jesus is glorified through His blood bought, redeemed people yeah. loving one another. Thereby, yeah. thereby, what are we doing when we love one another? We're giving glory to Jesus. Oh, we yeah. are the outshining of His saving work and person. And yeah. well, we are. We're His body, <laughs> right? That's good. And uh, so that's uh, that kind of actually puts a bigger. Um, like a cosmic reality on it. You know, and Paul says in Ephesians that that the church is testifying to powers outside of this world in a mm-hmm. sense, like they're looking at the church going, and so not only are we doing it as this world, but outside as well. That's right. So That's good. Uh, anything else on John 13? I think we can leave it there. All right. Well, we hope this conversation has been helpful even as as we kind of meander from topic to topic and insert our various thoughts and things like that. But we hope it's helpful for you. Our goal is to help the people of Calvary Bible Church follow Christ by becoming better readers and students of the Bible. If you're not a part of our church, our hope and prayer is that our conversations will help you love the scriptures more and serve your local church better. We love to hear from our listeners and get feedback on what we've discussed. Uh, Several episodes ago, we asked who has listened to the podcast from episode one. I've only gotten Andrew back. He said he started on episode eight. So I don't know if there's probably wise. (laughs) That's probably wise. Anyway, you can always uh, contact us, give us feedback on what we're discussing or send us topics. If you'd like us to discuss them, you can email us at the calvarycast at gmail.com. Again, if the podcast has been helpful too, you can leave a rating, a review, or both share the podcast with others who you think will be benefited from it. Uh, Don't leave us any one-star ratings or you could, that'd be cool too. No, I really wouldn't. Don't. (laughs) Please. (laughs) At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. So until next time.